Welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're back after our week off and we are excited to be able to join back with each other and with you, our wonderful listeners, to have a little discussion about the movie, the latest uh, Marvel movie, The Marvels. Uh, I got a couple of pieces of of housekeeping we need to take care of. First of all, we are sponsored by ProgressiveChristianity.org and I encourage you to go and uh, check them out. You'll find all kinds of wonderful resources there that I think that you can use on a weekly and daily basis. You'll really love it. And also make sure while you're doing that, that you are following us on Facebook, Moonshine Jesus Show, as well as have us being downloaded wherever you get your podcast. And want to remind everyone, we do this at the beginning of every show, we really love, we really truly enjoy. It gives us great satisfaction to spoil everything we talk about. (laughs) This is this is spoiler full, so make sure that if you're wanting to see the Marvels without any spoilers, bookmark this and come back to it later because we are going to spoil it. And when I say we, of course, it's myself and my good buddy, Caleb. How you doing today, Caleb? I am fantastic. I can't wait to spoil some things. I love spoiling Absolutely. things. Yeah, it's yeah. so much fun. Man. It's so much fun. Well, we should have a good drink to spoil things with. Uh, what yeah. themed drink did you come up with for today? Yeah, so I was inspired by the color in uh, both Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel's outfit. And uh, there's a lot of blue that's prominent. And so I made myself uh, a Marvel's drink uh, that is blue. And it's it's just vodka, rum, and blue curacao. Lovely. Nice. Well, I went with the color theme, too, except I went... Mm -hmm. The complementing colors of that blue on okay, Captain yes. Marvel. So it's the burgundy and the yellow uh-huh. or the gold. And yes. uh, this is actually called a Captain Marvel. It is um, coconut rum, pomegranate juice, and a little bit mm-hmm. of ginger ale for a little bubbly action in there. And then it's oh, accented with a nice yellow uh, oh, lemon there. I like that. The colors going. Look at so, these colors. We've got great look, colors here, Mark. All of them. Perfect. We've got all the all the all the Marvel's colors. So we did quite well. All right, sir. Let's uh, have a sip of our drink, take a quick break, and come back on the other side and geek out a little bit about this movie. Moonshine Jesus. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are entering in our geek out section where we will geek out a little bit about the movie. And then in our section following this, we'll get right into the theology and politics. We want to make sure we cover that too. But we have to have a little fun, especially when we're talking about a Marvel movie. We're such big Marvel fans that uh, we need to have a little fun with it. should also say one element of my drink I forgot to say, Mark, is that Mm -hmm. it's cut with Sprite. So this isn't all... Vodka okay. and, um, and blue curacao. Uh, I was going to be measuring how quickly you go through it. Yeah, like, that's how quickly I, I go through that. Uh, that would be uh, probably a lot of alcohol by the end of the last. By the end of the show, it might be really fun. Captain Marvel and yeah. Miss Marvel and Monica 
Rambo are the main characters yeah. in the Marvels. It is a sequel to Captain Marvel, a continuation of the television miniseries Miss Marvel, and the 33 the 33rd film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And in it, yeah. of course, we see Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, and Monica Rambo's light powers intertwine with each other, and we see them swap places anytime they use their powers as they try to save the universe. So, Mark, I'm curious, what did you think about this movie? How did it relate to other Marvel movies, but specifically Marvel movies in Phase 5 that we're currently in? What did you think? I, I had a lot of fun. I've heard buzz that people aren't liking the movie for some reason. I know it's not doing well in the box office. I've seen the headlines on that. I, I don't really care. I, I loved this movie. I had so much fun. Uh, there's a one particular when the, the Flurkins, uh, mm-hmm. when they, they are uh, having to transport all the humans and the humans don't know what's going on. Uh, my wife and I, we were laughing so hard. I, I, I felt bad for anyone who was near us. Although that's not really true because everyone else is laughing too. It's just a fun movie. I love the setup. I love the fact that it actually, while there is a, there is connective tissue between it and other Marvel's mm-hmm. cinema uh, universe kind of things, it's not necessary. You don't have to really know a lot of the background. They set you up. They kind of let you know what's going on with Captain Marvel and why they're, she's in this position. And a little background on uh, on on uh, Kamala and, and Ms. Marvel and, and how she ended up. So you, it really kind of stands on its own if, if you want it to, which I kind of like. I felt like we were getting back to some of the stuff that made Marvel successful early on. It's fun. It's lighthearted, but it talks about some serious topics as it does that. Uh, but it can stand on its own, and you don't have to know the entire back catalog to, to kind of get into it. At least that was my experience. Uh, what about what about you, man? I really liked it, too. I thought this was a good example of what Marvel does best. And I, the scene that you were talking about, I think, is a, a good illustration of that. Yeah. It's it's funny and chaotic and fun and very creative. I, yeah. I mean, it's just, just fun. I, I didn't have to worry about who was around me because I watched it late last night in a theater by myself. I had the whole <laughs> theater to myself. So, but I was laughing, you know, I, yeah. I just out loud by myself and I had a lot of fun. I agree. I think it's important for Marvel to have the setups of these movies, especially with an expanding universe, some of which mm-hmm. is in movie form and some of which is uh, on streaming services that yeah. people may or may not be watching. Uh, I think it's going to be more and more important because it's it's going to some of the shows are a little more niche than others. So, uh, Mark, Mark, this was a good movie. Uh, some oh, folks it. said it was tonally imbalanced. I don't think I believe that, but but some people, uh, some critics have been oh, yeah. saying that. But uh, but I, I thought it was fun all the way through. I, I thought it dealt with the characters. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a, a good movie. Maybe one of one of my favorite marvel movies actually i really liked it i thought the leads were compelling i thought it was a lot of fun but as you mentioned it's not doing well at the box office some have even labeled it a box office bomb i mean it's where you don't know yet but i mean right now it's a hundred million dollars or so under it's uh under the budget the production budget and so Mm -hmm. i'm curious mark why isn't the Marvels doing well? If it's a good movie, if it's fun, what's going on? I think it's I think it's two pieces of one issue, um, and that is promotion. Um, 
part of the lack of promotion is simply the fact that the the actors were on strike and so they were not out promoting anything and so normally i mean you think of the stars we have in this like brie lawson she won an oscar uh, samuel jackson you've got big names here who would have easily been on all kinds of shows promoting and all of that and it almost seems like because they weren't doing that the the production company also just they didn't put much money into trying to promote this or anything so i think it's really just comes down to a lack of promotion more than anything because it's a it's a good film is it a you know an incredible Avengers level film. No, but it wasn't supposed to be. It's so much fun. It's so much fun as like parts of it are just as fun and funny as the guardians of the galaxy. Yes. Yeah. Hit great with crowds. And I, so I think it's that. And then I think you've got the naysayers out there who just don't want um, female leads in superhero movies, which is the absolute most ridiculous thing in the world. Particularly if you watch a movie like this and you realize that was incredible. Some of the things that those kinds of folks complain about were actually mm -hmm. maybe better in this movie than in others. Like the fight scenes, man, mm -hmm. were so incredibly well done. And the moves that they were doing and the way they interacted, I thought it was brilliant. Just brilliant. Very well choreographed. I mean, you if oh, you're man, having three people interchanging and, you mm -hmm. know, it even showed them, you know, trying to figure out how to get the get their fight together, how they could, yeah. how they could do that, that involves some incredible choreography. And Absolutely. so I, I think Mark, that uh, a lot of people are probably going to uh, say in uh, similar to your last point, I think a lot of folks are going to say, well, this proves that, you know, that female leads can't, yeah. can't star in superhero movies. We've got things like uh, black widow that also underperformed and, and this, um, what do you, do you think that's that's the right response, Mark? I mean, should 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 Marvel or or other folks should they give up on female leads because they don't perform as well at the box office, or or are there these other factors that are causing them to not perform at the box office? Uh, what do you think about that? And do you have any solutions yeah. for them? Uh, I don't think we've had any definitive proof yet that a female yeah. lead in a superhero movie doesn't work. I don't think we've had any proof of that. Uh, any of the movies that had strong female leads that didn't succeed well, there's a lot of other issues that were went along hand in hand that had nothing to do with the fact that there were female leads. Then on top of it, you do have that there is this small group of, of fanboys who really, really are get unbelievably, unreasonably upset when there's a strong female character on even on the screen, more or less in the lead. And then I think that they're causing a lot of the issues and allowing that to stop us from having great movies like the Marvels uh, would be the worst way we could respond to the folks who were trying to not have movies like the Marvels. I mean, that's the way I see it anyway. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think too, uh, in investing in movies with strong female leads that go beyond superhero genre kind of themes i, I think yeah. brings in new audience uh, a new audience and is one of Absolutely. the ways that we kind of dispel uh, the, the problematic fans <laughs> right? fans of all franchises yeah. can be wonderful or problematic and there are segments Absolutely. of fans that can be problematic and certainly we wouldn't want uh, people like that to to stop 
as from uh, moving forward, especially from all types of representation in cinema. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I appreciated about this movie is not just that it's female leads, but um, that, you know, two thirds of the star power there and in the, that trio are women yeah. of color. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think that that says a lot about, you know, Marvel trying to, trying to, uh, diversify and try to uh, in this next phase to to bring forth other kinds of voices and I I hope that Marvel succeeds because I think uh, phase five going into phase six I think that these could really reset the way superheroes look in a way that's going yeah. to be a very helpful for for society yeah, so um, I Mark I I do want to make sure I, I talk about um, a, a pretty big spoiler, and that's yeah. the the mid credit scene. Oh, yeah. um, so uh, the mid credit scene is one where uh, Rambo has gone into a kind of an alternate universe and in saving her own, and she ends up uh, in a room being taken care of by by Beast. Uh, yep. and and so uh one of the things that marvel fans have really been longing for for a very long time is to see x-men integrated into the mcu so oh, yeah. now that disney think, has them Mark? you know what do you think you think it's gonna happen i i think it is going to happen i think that's why they've been teasing this out and uh i'm mm -hmm. just gonna go ahead and give you a little check mark there for stealing one of my questions uh yes <laughs> it's, a it's a tangent question uh, but I'll, but take, I'll take it whatever I but can it is because I, my, my one of the questions that I was considering asking in, in, in our make me look stupid segment was about the fact that we have seen now uh, Professor X played by Patrick Stewart and now Beast played by Kelsey Grammer who played them before Disney and Marvel owned mm -hmm. uh, the X-Men and so I was curious whether you thought we were about to see them and if they just weren't going to recast uh I think that they are definitely going to recast, but we're getting these little teases now because they can do it. And they're putting in these former uh, uh, actors to let us kind of get a kind of a, a nice tip of the hat and nod to them. Of, yeah, you created this role. You're the one that made this so popular in terms of film. Uh, but I think we, they, you know, we've only seen them in alternate universes. So, yeah, I definitely think. Uh, I'm certain that they are working on uh, an X-Men movie. It's probably several years before we, we we get to see it and what it's going to look like. But I think we'll get plenty of teases between now and then. Uh, matter of fact, I, I have to believe that Deadpool, we're going to get some nice X-Men stuff in there too that will play, will kind of, you know, we, we always get it in Deadpool, but it feels like this time around, it'll we'll be getting it as a teaser for what could happen and what we might see. What did yeah, you think, think so. about that, that mid- Mid credit. Yeah, I thought it was fun, and uh, just in reference to the Deadpool stuff, I think it's been fun to see uh, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and kind of the traditional yellow uh, yeah. Wolverine suit as it's well. Great. That's that's been fun. Uh, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fun, and and definitely uh, uh, I think a foreshadow. I agree with you. I think they're going to have to recast, especially with the yeah. age of the actors. I don't think it makes sense. Uh, to to continue using yeah. those actors, uh, but I but I can't wait to see X Men uh, hopefully in, integrated into the larger MCU, oh. and I, I think that that's something that as Marvel is kind of trying to find its footing 
And I, I think it is trying yeah. to find its footing. I think trying to find your footing with a Spider-Man and X-Men is a pretty good way to go. And I think that allows you to take some more creative risks, like say with the, the Marvels and others mm -hmm. like that, where you can bring in some, some other characters. Uh, good. So I wanted to make sure I got that question in. Oh, I've got another question that I, okay. I want some clarity on. Oh, no, so we get all these these eggs uh, in the space station <laughs> yeah. where uh, where Samuel L. Jackson is, where Fury is on the, in the base here, and uh, the the eggs are 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 hatching into the the creatures you mentioned. Which, if you all haven't seen them, there are the these cat like yeah, yeah cat like figures who have like tentacles and they uh, <laughs> they can eat things and people. They, so. They, uh, yeah. All kinds of things, right? And, and yeah. people, and that's how they—that's how they get the people off the space station. So Goose is Captain Marvel's uh, flirkin that she has, and uh, oh. I'm curious, how did the eggs get on the space station, Mark? And do you think do you think Goose was pregnant? I think Goose was pregnant for sure. That's the only—that's the only way they could have gotten there. So I have no doubt Goose was pregnant. Goose. That's what the, how we ended up with all, all the flurkin eggs. And thank goodness we had the flurkin eggs because I don't know how they'd gotten all of those people off of the ship in that amount of time in that one little spaceship without the, the flurkin's ability to consume anything and that their internal uh, structure is such that the space and time really doesn't uh, have uh, much uh, the, the normal play on them in there that they can consume things of any size and carry it with them. So I think that we got very fortunate that, that uh, Goose was pregnant, but definitely. Goose oh, yeah. 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 I, I agree. Uh, yes. It's it's very good that Goose happened to be pregnant or else. Yeah. That scene wouldn't have been able to happen. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that uh, wasn't written for that specific purpose or anything. Hey, look, there are a ton of other questions I want to ask you about this, mm. but I know we also have a lot of theology and politics that we got to talk Absolutely. about. So why don't we take a break? Have another drink, come back, and dive into the Theopolitico segment. to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You are joining us for our Theopolitico segment. Uh, you know, Caleb, there's a lot of themes in this movie, but arguably one of the bigger ones ends up being the problem with hero worship. You've got mm -hmm. Kamala, uh, who yeah. kind of worships Captain Marvel, and then she learns mm -hmm. that Captain Marvel's not as, per as perfect as she kind of made her out to be in her head. And then you also have... Uh, Monica, as a kid, idolized Carol, Captain Marvel. Yes. Uh, and then Carol basically abandons her for a while while Carol's working out her own issues. Um, where do you see hero worship in our world today? And how damaging is it or is it damaging? I think it's almost always damaging whenever we put people up on a pedestal. And I... I mean, we certainly see it in society, which I'll talk about in a second. But I think we also see this in in our own personal lives, and we like we tend to yeah. make people we admire into heroes. And 
people can never live up to our own imagination about who they are, who they ought to be. And, yeah. and it's not fair to, to try and put that on people. And it's, it's mm. harmful in almost every situation. And yeah. so I think we see it in all kinds of ways uh, in our society. And uh, certainly, I think, in terms of leaders who we expect to be perfect in lots of ways, or especially if, if we're thinking, say, about uh, political leaders, uh, maybe even political leaders in our own parties that we yeah. expect to uh, to always be consistent with our, our values and the yeah. realities of those situations are not usually that. <laughs> and I think that's true. I mean, I think it's true whether we're talking about you know, someone who's despicable like Donald Trump and who people like idolize and worship. I think that's that's certainly true. But I think it's also true about, you know, uh, other other folks, too. And and even even folks who are more progressive, that they don't always line up with with the values that, that we think we ought to have. I think that's one of the values of uh, of Christian faith is mm -hmm. that it when it, it's at its best or when we're trying to be authentic, uh, it it serves as a counterbalance so that we're not always following into party lines. And yeah. so I, I, I see that some, you know, um, whenever we'll, we'll say, well, what's what's the party that we belong to saying about this? And then that, all of a sudden that's the right thing to believe or what right. has this political leader said about this? And all of a sudden that's the right way to believe. And that's not always true because uh, people are fallible and people are subject to politics and pressure and all kinds of things. So I think it's real dangerous to hear a word. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I, and you bring, you bring up Christianity, uh, and we I, I agree with you essentially. Uh, I, I think that we we fall too easily into hero worship and then we create these ideas in our head of what the hero will be. We also abandon frequently logic because our hero is saying this, so we're just going to follow no matter what. Yep. Um, and and it's very damaging when we learn that they're not what we thought they were. And then we realize, we look back on what we were doing and how long we followed them and the mistakes we made mm -hmm. because we were following them. And it can be psychologically very, very damaging. So I think it's something we all need to measure and, and, and be aware of about ourselves uh, in our day-to-day -day lives. But since you brought the church up, I am curious, yep. though, I see a lot of hero worship going on with white Jesus. Oh, yes. Yes. A lot of people have made white Jesus into their hero. You're right about yeah, that. Yeah. And, and I mean, how damaging is it that, that not only has that happened, yeah. but we have churches that are encouraging it and mm -hmm. really essentially teaching that white Jesus is this perfect hero who, you know, it was more God than than human, I would say was fully yeah. human, but uh, you know, the, even the ones who say fully human, fully God would really frequently lean towards, well, much more God. Uh, yeah. What does that do to a, to a religion where you're trying to follow someone who is set up as this perfect hero that, you know, is, is some, in some ways beyond human? Yeah, it leads to all kinds of problematic theology and behavior. And so that's one of the reasons mm -hmm. I said church, when it's at its best, uh, right. Because I should also make the caveat that church is almost never at its best. <laughs> but look, so I think when it's at its best, that means uh, understanding the historical Jesus, the actual person who lived. Because the actual person who lived was a Middle Eastern Jewish peasant who stood up uh, for the marginalized against the principalities and powers. That is not 
the people that are, that is not the person that most churches actually worship or even yeah. talk. And so they worship, I think, in the United States, a white nationalist Jesus who mm. is uh, only concerned yep. with U.S. nationalism, who has blonde hair and blue eyes, who cares more about uh, a, a fetus being born than caring for a child after it is already here on this earth right. or, uh, or the children who are in migrant camps all around the world. Uh, it cares more about policing people's bedrooms than about caring for people and affirming them as God created them to be as part right. of the LGBT community. Uh, th mm -hmm. So the white nationalist Jesus is extremely problematic. And I think back to Mark, to Jim Cohn's spiritual autobiography, My Soul Looks Back. And mm -hmm. in it, he talks about growing up as a black man in a black church and coming there every week to look at a picture of a white yeah. Jesus and the subjugation that, that is a part of that because the way that that teaches people to internalize the white man as savior. So, yeah, worshiping a, a white nationalist Jesus, one of the most problematic things. Absolutely. Well, you brought up the marginalized, and, and um, I, I do have a question sort of related to that I'm curious about. So in the movie and in the MCU universe, yeah. the Kree are referring to the scrolls as, quote, terrorists. But it turns out the scrolls really are just refugees looking for a, like a new home and also trying to escape the Kree's kind of campaign of genocide against them. Uh, where do you see that kind of name calling uh, to further marginalize folks happening in our world today? We see this in a lot of places, especially whenever uh, there are certain governments who are in power and they are um, uh, and they are trying to put down any kind of oppression. It's always terrorists. And I, I mean, we we even see this. We I mean, we saw this in the United States after the September 11th attacks where all Muslims were seen as terrorists. Right. That right. wasn't true. The, it was right. this, the small group of radicals who were uh, who were doing everything contrary to Islam. Uh, so we see this in, in all kinds of places. We see it in Syria uh, and we see, you know, uh, Syrian refugees uh, who have been called terrorists. And I think right now we're, we're seeing a manifestation of this in the in the Middle East and Absolutely. in Israel and Palestine uh, that, uh, you know, that we're seeing a lot of people labeled as as terrorists. Right. And we've got a very complicated situation uh, there. And the vast majority of people are, are civilians who are uh, just trying to stay alive and live their lives and get absolutely. care from hospitals. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, 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 the name calling to marginalized folks has become such a political move anymore. Um, I think of the way that certain parties speak of the poor as parasites. Uh, mm -hmm. Or our own border at, in Mexico, um, there's been history of calling folks who are immigrants there as cockroaches or animals or anything to, to dehumanize. And I, I think it's one of the worst things that, that we see happening in terms of, uh, of these are folks that we're supposed to be caring about. These are folks that are hurting, who are marginalized, who are in many cases escaping horrible situations in life. Mm -hmm. And to have 
a group of folks trying to dehumanize them after they've yeah. already gone through the kinds of things they've gone through is absolutely, uh, in, in my opinion, inexcusable and, and should mm. all, we should always stand up and speak out against it. Um, one, one of the other themes in this movie is uh, kind of plays into that. It's the, the concept of overcoming our past prejudices in order to uh, aid those in need. Uh, I'm curious, biblically, what, what do you think we are told about that or shown about those types of prejudices and need our need to overcome? Yeah, so uh, this, I think, was one of the central parts of Jesus's message. We saw him over and over again interacting with uh, people who were ritually in unclean, according to the purity system of the day, and uh, specifically with foreigners and often with women, uh, who who were people who were looked down upon by society and who he really wasn't supposed to be interacting with. And so uh, just as a general example that's very familiar to people, I, the story of the Good Samaritan, it displays this very, yeah. very keenly, right? We've got a foreigner who... Uh, would have been looked down upon, who would have been seen as unclean, uh, who who comes in and and saves the day, takes care of this other person who he had no reason to care about, who he had every reason to hate, and overcomes the, those kind of cultural biases that that they both would have had to show compassion mm -hmm. for a neighbor. And so I think that Jesus, both Jesus's parables like that, and Jesus's actions where he's interacting with people who, who are outsiders, say the Syrophoenician woman, uh, sure. where he has contact and shows compassion, and he and Jesus in that case overcomes his own bias, I believe. I, I think that, uh, that those, through his actions and through his teachings, show us that that's one of the major things that we need to do is to be, yeah. become aware of our own biases, to see where those are, and to recognize that we're all uh, people with inherent worth and dignity, all people yeah. worthy of compassion. You see it anywhere, Mark? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, the Syrophoenician yeah. woman, the Canaanite woman. I think, and I think those are the power. The powerful stories are when Jesus overcomes his own prejudices, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it goes back to this idea of, of Jesus being fully human. Uh, but yeah, with the woman who was asking for help, and um, he says, you know, the, the 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 she basically says, even the dogs get crumbs from underneath the table, yeah. and and uh, uh, he, it's a result of him calling her a dog, which was a racial slur of the day. Uh, and eventually out of her persistence, um, he recognizes what he's done wrong and changes his whole mind about everything and, and his, his willingness to actually help. And I think that is sort of one of the themes of this movie is that it's important for us to figure out how to overcome our biases our, 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 and prejudices so that we are in better places to help those who are most in need. Uh, I've got like three more questions, but we really are already running out of time. I, this, such, it's, it's one of those strange things that this movie gets such a bad rap. It's so rich of ideas and thoughts that you can... It really is. There are a lot of great one-liners in there too. Oh gosh, so many. <laughs> I love this. But anyway... We do have another segment that we both enjoy oh, yes. very much. It's our segment called Make Me Look Stupid. So we're going to take a break and come back on the other side and try to make each other look stupid.
Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're entering our final segment, the Make Me Look Stupid segment, where we either try to ask questions that might make our co-hosts look stupid, or we just ask some questions that we've been wondering about. And my goal always is to try and steal one of Mark's questions. That's really what you have done. You've done it. Yes, so I consider this a successful episode yes. already, even <laughs> though Mark will probably go on to make me look stupid. I at least feel like I have I have uh, I have taken one of his questions. So uh, I'm going to ask Mark something a little bit different today. I want to ask a theological question. I often will ask a political question or, oh, or something kind okay. of about the about the movie. I want to ask a theological question for you. I just want your perspective on this. So. As Fury and Kamala's family and uh, are, are kind of escaping from the space station and they're they're flying down to Earth, hurtling down towards Earth, uh, Kamala's uh, brother is praying and Fury says, are you praying? And then he just stops. And then Fury says, don't stop. We need all the help we can get. Um, I'm curious, Mark. We're both progressive Christians. We're both yeah. pastors. Uh, I... I assume you you pray as a part of your service. Absolutely. I, or at least I pray as part of my service. And I think one thing progressive Christians often have kind of differing views on is what exactly is happening when we're praying. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious about your perspective on that, Mark. What's the purpose of prayer? Uh, I go with, with the Pope on this. At first, you, you pray for the hungry, and then you feed the hungry. Uh, and I, I, I definitely, uh, it's the Ennis who calls it the, the that God is not the great vending machine in the sky where you put a prayer mm -hmm. in and mm -hmm. blessings yeah. pop out. Um, yeah, I love that. I'm very much of that way of, of seeing things. So in our service, we do have prayer, but I encourage people to accept it as a prayer or as a meditation, or it's just a moment to meditate and let whatever words grab them in the moment to speak to them. And we don't pray that God change something or fix something. Uh, we pray a, about things that are hurting, places that the world hurts, and uh, our ability to be part of the change that affects that in a positive way. So we put it out in, in a way that says, may we learn to this, or show may we, may we show each other the way to whatever the issue is at hand. Yeah. So I very much, I, you know, I, I, I like to say that uh, prayer without action is a wish. Um, that mm -hmm. if the prayer doesn't lead you to action and to making something better in the world, I'm not sure what good or value there is in it outside of maybe it's the first few steps to changing your mind on how you approach something. Uh, how, how about you? What is your perspective and what do y'all do in your service with it? Yeah, so um, uh, I I love your perspective and, and feel very similarly. I like that Oswald Chambers quote that it's not so much that prayer changes things as it is that prayer changes us and then we change things. So very yeah. similar. I think that that prayer is connected to action. Um, in, in our own service, uh, I serve a congregation that, that's filled with people from all different types of backgrounds. And yeah. so I 
sort of a non-credal congregation and people kind of have differences of opinion. And so we kind of leave it open for people to do what they want. And we leave space for private prayer, whether that is like mm. people actually praying or whether it is meditation <clears throat> or it's just sitting in silence and mm -hmm. people understand it differently. And I, I find some power in that, but especially since I personally am not necessarily praying to a deity to do something, right. <laughs> but more, uh, but more thinking of praying for what it is that, uh, that we would like to see in the world. So yeah. I appreciate that Mark, because I think prayer is something that, uh, that is interesting. And, and we as progressive Christians are often very good at creating very nice sounding prayer liturgies. And yeah. a lot of times, um, we don't have a lot of conversation about what we're actually trying to do with all that yeah. stuff. So thanks That's for fair. perspective, Mark. Yeah, yep. thank you, too. Um, so <clears throat> my question for you, I've got two left. I had three. Uh, the, my favorite question, you already stepped all over. So congratulations on that again. Thank you. Thank you. I like that. <laughs> uh, so which one am I going to ask? Um, let's go with Kamala's easily the standout person in the movie. Uh, as great of an actor as Brie Lawson is, Kamala just shines in this movie. So I'm going to ask a question about her okay. as a character. Um, mm -hmm. Why isn't... At the end of the movie, why isn't Kamala wearing both bangles? During yes. the fight, she ends up with both bangles. But then by yes. the end of the movie, she's back to only wearing one. Yeah, and she talks, too, about how those bangles were both her her grandma's uh, yeah. bangles. And she mm -hmm. always knew. And, and, of course, in the last scene, it is Captain Marvel who has the other one. Other one. Right. And I... I think it's because they're too powerful together and they, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be together because of the damage that they can do to the universe. And I think it's also dangerous to let a, a high schooler uh, who's just figuring out her powers to have, have all the control over destroying the universe. So, so I think they split it up for, for that reason, but I think I, it could have used an explanation <laughs> yeah, it, would, it would have been nice to have one, but I'm kind of with yeah. you. I mean, we saw what the brace, both bracelets did to Darbin, and so it's clear how powerful they are and how dangerous they can be. And I agree that that probably Captain America, Captain America, Captain Marvel said, "Look, these really are too powerful together. They're, they're, we risk too much by having them. One person having them, or them just being that close together all the time. That we need to make sure they are separated." And, that kind of thing. So I'm completely with you, but I'm I'm specifically with you on the idea. They really needed to tell us a little bit about it. I I do think that's one of the things about this movie. I love the movie. Uh, I'll, I will yeah. rewatch it several times. It's, it's really yeah. But I did feel like there was probably some things that ended up on the cutting floor that would have helped move the story along in a way that helped us all kind of buy into it uh, a little more readily. But I still loved it. Still loved it. I did too. I mean, but that could have been a really cool scene where they like split up the the bangles, and then they they are like, "Hey, we're gonna be connected forever. We're gonna keep the." And they could have done the oh. finger guns, and you know, <laughs> and just like just like in their vision, it could have it could yeah. have been a really fun thing that have. they uh, a missed opportunity. Hey, and, and who knows. Maybe that's on the cutting room floor somewhere. Maybe maybe we got the finger. <laughs> the finger guns are there. You know, <laughs> right. they could have yeah, even well, gone out to like a. They could have ended it with a sketch, just like in Miss Marvel, 
which was another fun thing I thought the, about how they started the movie. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I did too. I loved how they did that. Yep. Uh, so uh, that's most of the time that we have today, but we do need to consider what we're going to do next week. Uh, so th- there's lots of stuff going on out there. Do you have any thoughts on what we might should be angling towards? Hmm. See, now see, that was going to be my, my second make me look stupid question is I was going to ask you. That's fair. I, I have, I have <laughs> a pretty good you idea. What you thought? Fair. Oh, you did. I actually okay, have good, an idea. Good, good, good. Because okay. I've been, it, it, this has already been around for a week and I've been wanting to catch yeah. it. So this is the perfect reason to go see it. Okay. Okay. I, what if we go do the prequel to the Hunger Games that just came out? The Hunger Games, okay. yeah. the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I've heard some pretty good that buzz about fun. it already too. So uh, let's, let's go with that. You go with that? Okay. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, I love Perfect. it. Perfect. Okay, great. next week, All right. the prequel to the Hunger Games. A- absolutely. Okay. It'll be fun. And uh, as always, let's uh, thank those listeners, man. Yes, thank you all. You're amazing. We appreciate you all being with us, listening to us, and uh, making sure that we can be here every week to drink together and to talk about pop culture. Because... Let's face it, it, it's not everybody that you can get together and jam out to to some drinks and some some theology and politics and nerd culture. And we we do that pretty well. So thank you all for, for joining us. We appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing you next time on the Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine Jesus, nobody in the sky. Moonshine.